0: hi friends my name is kyle and i get to be the lead pastor of friends church orange on behalf of myself and our team and our entire church family we are thrilled that you're choosing to listen to this message and invest in your relationship with god we believe that he's going to be speaking to you and inviting you to become more of who he created and designed you to be so if there's anything we can do to serve you on that journey we invite you to reach out to us but for now Enjoy this message and listen for God's voice. Yes, happy Palm Sunday! Aren't you glad you came to church today? Go ahead and be seated as we continue Worshiping together, my name is Kyle, and I get the distinct privilege uh, of being one of the pastors here, being the lead pastor here at Friends Church Orange. Lots of you guys are family. I see your faces every week. You sit in the same seats every week. Welcome back. Uh, Lots of you guys might be new today, and we are thrilled that you chose to come and launch into Holy Week uh, with us here at Friends Church. Uh, Today, of course, is Palm Sunday. I want to talk to you real briefly about what that is. Is. Like, what's happening here in kids and palm branches and what? Palm Sunday, of course, celebrates the entry of Jesus into the city of Jerusalem to launch the final week of his life, which in many church traditions launches what is called Holy Week. I just mentioned it. That's right. Of course, culminating in the greatest miracle that Jesus ever did, which is the forgiveness of sins and conquering death and evil through the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's why this week is so defining for us as followers of Jesus. You heard Henry read it earlier. I want to come back to it real quickly because it describes so well what Palm Sunday is all about. In John chapter 12, it says this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, it swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches, and they went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Everything we've just been singing, that's where these songs come from, right out of God's word. Passover, of course, some of you know, was a festival, a party, if you will, that God had created for his people, where every single year... They would come and they would celebrate their freedom from slavery in Egypt. And this was a time where the entire Jewish population of the region would descend on the city of Jerusalem. So the city of Jerusalem, it was like a big city, 80, 100,000 people probably. When Passover came, it would swell to almost three million people, massive. So you can imagine they're just camped, not just in the city, in and around everywhere. And what are they doing? Of course, they're waving palm branches. They're laying them down on the road. Jesus is riding in on it. Why were they doing that? Because this is the way historically in the day they would celebrate conquering kings that would return from war. And so they were declaring him king. They were celebrating him. They were honoring Jesus in this moment because they believed that he was there to save them and to rescue them, which he was just very differently than they had anticipated in this moment. They believed that this would be now this public display, this final moment where he was finally gonna assert all of his power and all of his authority to overturn the Roman government and to take control and to be his rightful king over everything. And yet, he showed up vastly different than that as we continue to talk about every single week. And not only that, one of the things I'm always amazed by is how quickly so many people totally missed Jesus. Right, I mean we have just literally probably hundreds of thousands if not millions of people walking with him and celebrating who he was. Ah, oh, he's our king, Hosanna, and the, and the shouts of praise him in just a few days become crucify him. How is that possible? That so many people miss the person of Jesus? How is it possible that they missed the power that he was there? And how is it that they missed the miracle of who he was and even the miracle of this moment that was unfolding before him? So today, as we sink into Palm Sunday, one of the things I'm just committed to doing my best today is to not allow you to miss the miracle of Jesus I don't want you to miss the miracle of today or what this represents or his life. I don't want you to miss the miracle of Holy Week and forgiveness and a relationship with God. And most importantly, today, you're gonna get an invitation to not not only not miss the miracle, but to participate in them every single day. And so we're gonna walk this out together and so, as we get started, whether whether you come here every single week or maybe this is your first time, I just want to ask you a question: Is there a place in your life you need a miracle? Is there a place in your life where you've run out of resources? You've run out of your wisdom. You've run out of uh, forgiveness for someone. Maybe there's a place in your life you you literally need a miracle, like you've heard Jesus do, whether it's a physical miracle in your life or for somebody in your family to bring healing. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by just darkness or anxiety or worry or fear. Maybe you've lost hope. And maybe today the miracle is just that God would start to stir a sense of wonder and hope back into your life. Do you need a miracle? Because today's a day where you're going to get invited not only to remember that Jesus is the God of miracles, but you're going to get invited to participate in them every single day, not just today, not just this week, not just at Easter, but every day. So I want to invite you guys, if you would, grab your Bible, if you brought your Bible with you, and we're going to look at Palm Sunday through the eyes of Luke Luke chapter 19 is where you can turn, and we're going to look at Luke. Luke, you might remember, Luke was a doctor, and so when he was doing his research for his gospel, you can imagine, we know doctors, lots of you are doctors, and one of the things we want our doctors to be is accurate. We need you to be right, right? We want want the correct diagnosis, and so one of the things I love about Luke, him being a doctor, is we can trust that this, he even says, this is an accurate account, of Jesus. And so we're gonna walk into this, and you're gonna clearly see that there's a great celebration of miracles that's taking place on Palm Sunday, and even gives us a way to participate in them as we move through life. So, Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 29, it says this As he, being Jesus, came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you're gonna see a young donkey tied there that no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? I'm sure they did ask. And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along the crowds, they spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all of the wonderful miracles that they had seen. So they were living, acting out everything that we had seen. And you can imagine the Mount of Olives is just right across. There's a valley called the Kidron Valley it goes up and the Mount of Olives is right behind us. I got a picture for you to see it. So you kind of have some context, right? Right? without all the concrete. But you can imagine, like we're on the top of the Mount of Olives walking down the the Palm Sunday Walk. At the bottom of course is Garden of Gethsemane. And then right up the valley you see the the city walls and Jesus would ride through that wall and where you see the Dome of the Rock, that's where the temple would have been. I took this picture, I would love to take you to Israel. I mention that all the time, happy to take. We will walk the Palm Sunday Walk. You will get to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just let me know. Happy to take you. We're going to go in December. Okay, so that's Israel. That's the context. That's what it looked like. You have a sense now. Bethany would have been right behind us walking down into Israel. And here's the biggest thing we see. They were what? Praising God for all the wonderful miracles that they had seen. This was about celebrating miracles. That's what Palm Sunday was all about. That's why these people were going nuts. They were celebrating miracles that they had seen. So what had they seen? Right. Well, you can imagine a bunch of this crowd has probably come with him from the Galilee region. And so these are people that had seen and experienced the miracles of Jesus. So you can imagine many of them, either them personally or their family members or their friends had been healed by Jesus. They might have been the people that were blind and could now see. People that couldn't walk and now they could walk. People that had leprosy. And now their skin was like a baby. It was beautiful. You can imagine. These are people that experienced these miracles. Maybe some of them were ones that had been fed by Jesus, right? Remember that where he takes a, a couple fish and a couple loaves of bread and feeds thousands of people? These are the people that had celebrated. They had seen these miracles, and they're going, this is the guy. This is him. They had seen him calm storms. and And then most of them... Just prior to this, of course, is where he raised Lazarus from the dead. He had just raised a a dead guy back to life. How many of you were here last week? Let me see. right, so you got a chance. How great was Heidi? Just full stop for a moment right here, right? She was fantastic. If you weren't here, I want to encourage you at some point, go back and listen and file this message away on finding hope in suffering because she just wove her story together with the story of Lazarus in the most beautiful and hopeful way. So I wanna invite you guys, but Lazarus, that had just happened. And so you can imagine, there's millions of people in the city, that's why so many were at Lazarus's tomb, because they were all there for Passover. So all of a sudden, all these people, they had seen all these things, and for some of them, maybe a few, they were probably also celebrating the miracles that are embedded in this passage, in these verses we just read. Now, I know what you're thinking. What miracles? It's not like he's not, he didn't heal any, did I miss something? He didn't heal anyone. There's no resurrections, it's not like he fed them all as he was walking down the hill. Like, what are the miracles? It's like, oh, there's so many. The first one we see is that Jesus riding on a donkey, on a young colt, and you're saying, that's a miracle. He could ride a horse. It's like, wait a second. This is a prophecy that's being fulfilled right before the people's eyes that some of them probably would have remembered. You see, almost 500 years prior to this, there's a guy named Zechariah who wrote down this was going to happen. Look at what it says in Zechariah chapter 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, don- riding on a donkey's colt. This is just one of over 300 prophecies that Jesus' life fulfilled. This is just one. That's a miracle. It's like, are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. But what about all the other miracles in the passage? And I know what you're thinking. What other miracles? Wait a minute, that's interesting, Zechariah and stuff, but there's other miracles. You missed them? So did I, for years. But there's miracles embedded right here. Look at this, look at this. Look at verse 30. Go into that village over there, Jesus told them. As you enter it, you'll see a young donkey tied there that no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying the colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. What? Are you kidding me? You're not like, that's crazy. There's a donkey in the doorway. Jesus is saying, you're going to go, and I want you to go, and what you're going to see is there's a donkey in the doorway. There's a donkey. They had to be listening going, Jesus, this is nuts. What? And yeah, and somebody's going to come out, and if they ask you, just say, the Lord needs it. And it's like, okay, I'm could you imagine Jesus saying that? Just put yourself in this place. You are not amazed yet. Listen to what's happening. (laughs) Jesus is saying, here's what I want you guys to do. Go into that village. There's a donkey in the doorway. I want you to untie it, bring it back here. And if anybody asks, just tell them I need it. That's what they got. And you can imagine, they're probably walking going, are you kidding me? Like this, uh, how's this gonna work? And then it's like, they start to get closer and what do they see? a donkey in the doorway. And they'd probably go, ah, this is crazy. And then they'd start have to start going, well, do we want to just steal it? Then we just grab that rope and run or what? Like, I don't know. They're sneaking up and they're untying this thing. And of course the owner, what are you doing? Right? If it's not a miracle enough, uh, well, the Lord needs it. Okay. Are you kidding me? Like, that's not amazing. Like, there's already there. And then the people just let it go? Like, that's not a miracle to you? That's incredible. Everybody say, that's a miracle. That is a miracle. There's two miracles that have already happened. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, yeah, what if Jesus talked to the owners? What if he set the whole thing up? Right? Because here's the deal. There's some theologians that actually believe that's what happened. Because Jesus would have gone to Jerusalem every year for this festival, for this Passover, right? And it's possible that he was there and he's like, hey, here's what's going to happen. And they kept it all quiet. So let's just say, let's just say you're right. Let's just say, right. What about the fact that no one's ever ridden the donkey? Have any of you ever tried to ride a horse or a donkey that's never been ridden? I didn't think so. But I think we all can imagine, you know what, you know what horses and donkeys aren't born with? This sense of, <laughs> I love to be ridden. They're not. They have to be what? They have to be broken, they have to be trained, they have to represent. And all of a sudden Jesus gets this donkey that Luke is very specific, says no one's ever ridden, and they bring it to him, and they start throwing blankets on, Jesus just hops up there, and it's cool with it. Here's the deal. Some of you understand it. You've seen movies. I grew up in Chino. We had an acre and a third and so we're like the cityest people of all in Chino. But you know what my dad believed? We need horses because we have an acre and we're in Chino. So we got a horse and we got a pony and my sister and I and we'd ride all these things. And here's the deal. They were already broken when we got them so we could ride them. But as we got busier, you know what we didn't do? Ride them. Right, And so all of a sudden, you know what happens just to a, a horse or a colt or a donkey you don't even ride for a long time? They don't let you ride them. They're like, I'm done with this. I've found freedom now. I don't, you don't. We'd get down, right, just down our driveway, and that thing would throw me off so fast and go running back up the hill to where my food is because that's all it wanted. Here's the deal. It's a miracle. There's a donkey in the doorway, a total miracle that's happening right here in this passage and we totally miss it. But this is the life that Jesus is inviting us into. A life where you get to find miracles in the mundane. You get to see and participate in the miraculous every single day. It's, all, it's woven all through. This great adventure, this surprise. Imagine Jesus with a twinkle in his eye. All right, guys, I need you to go. And you're gonna to go to that village and you're gonna see a donkey. And he probably just turned around and was like, this is gonna be great. <laughs> you know, and he does this all the time. He's always walking them through these places. And here's the thing, it's, all, it's woven into God's word. And he weaves it into our life if we just start looking for it. Because here's the thing, we find what we look for. It's just a principle of life. We find what we look for. If you look for God, You know what the Bible promises? You will find him. He is not gonna hide from you. When you look for Jesus, he will be right here. When you look for miracles, you're gonna see him. That's the promise that we see. We see it all through life. And here's the thing, this isn't just the only passage in the Bible. Yeah, it's not even the only one in Luke. We've been going through the series called The Good Life, right? Good life, clearly. Life with God, and now we know it's a miraculous life. But it's all about the life of Peter. Next week, we're going to look at Easter through the lens of Peter's life. It's going to be awesome. But here's the thing. Let's just pause for a minute and look at Holy Week through the eyes of Peter. Let's take this concept of finding what we look for and experiencing miracles through the lens of Peter. Okay, so this is Palm Sunday. Just a few days later right, is the Last Supper. Lots of you guys heard about the Last Supper. It's essentially the Passover meal that would have been shared. And so look what happens just three chapters later in Luke chapter 22 as Jesus is preparing him and his disciples for the Passover meal. Jesus sent who? Peter and John ahead, and he said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it, they asked him. This is where it gets good. He replied... As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He'll take you upstairs to a large room that's already set up. That's where you should prepare the meal. They went off and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. Are you kidding me? See, that's a miracle. That's, we, you've read through this so by a a million times and we, it's like, no, that's no big deal. Okay, it's a what? Are you kidding me? There's almost three million people in Jerusalem. Think about this, they're outside the city. Here's what I want you two to do. I want you to walk in, which by the way, there's like seven gates all around the city. I want you to walk in the city, you're gonna see a man with a pitcher out of millions of people, follow him. I mean, it's like mission impossible. It's the best. It's like, are you kidding me? And this is what Jesus does all the time. Finding miracles in the mundane. There's a donkey in the doorway. There's a man with a pitcher. And here's the thing. Just pause for a second. This happens in our life all the time. And we just kind of shrug our shoulders like, that's no big deal. Are you kidding me? How many of you, have you ever been in a crowded place, sporting event, Disney on something like that, and you run into somebody you haven't seen in years? Anyway, Just let me see your hands. How many of you are like, wait, what? That's crazy, right? There's a donkey in the door. There's a reason that that's happening and unfolding. You sit down and you start unpacking conversations. It's like, what? How's that possible? What? Because it's a miracle. We see it all the time. Have you ever thought Why? What? Why? See, we can walk away and just go, oh, that was weird. That's a miracle. That was a donkey. It was a man carrying a pitcher. It's like, wait, what? What in the world? Why did I run into them? Because here's the thing. It's a miracle. Maybe it's a miracle God has for you, or maybe it's a miracle he wants you to be for them. But it's a miracle. What are the odds? Three million people in Jerusalem. Find the guy with the pitcher. Okay. It's crazy the way this unfolds. But it's interesting, right? Not everybody saw or celebrated the miracle. Not everybody saw the miracle of Jesus that day. Not everybody sees the miracles of Jesus every day. Because we find what we look for. But why do we miss the miracles? Well, We get a couple clues, obviously, through God's word, one even in this story. The very end of Luke 19, verse 39, you see this where it says, some of the Pharisees among the crowd, they said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying that. Rebuke your, Jesus, don't let them say, don't let them call you king. Don't let them treat you like you're riding in here to rescue and save everybody. Don't do that. It's going to disrupt the system. What's it going to disrupt? The Pharisees, we got to remember, right? It was going to disrupt their influence. It was going to disrupt their power. It was going to upset the structure that they lived in, where they lived as an elite among the commoners. You see, everything was at stake for them. Power, authority, influence, their way of life, control. See, we're in danger of missing miracles when those kinds of things are the lens we look at life. Power, influence, control, we're going to miss the miracle. It's right in front of us. Not only that, John chapter 12, we get some other clues. Verse 37 says this, despite all of the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still didn't believe in him. I'm always startled at the fact that it says most of the people. It doesn't say a few doesn't even use the word many. Most people didn't believe. They had all seen. They had all heard. They all had the opportunity to go through life being startled by the miraculous every single day. But most of them totally missed it. How's that possible? Maybe they were busy. Maybe they were overwhelmed at life and their own problems, and they were just trying to stay in their lane and say, you know, it's like reading an article and going, wow, I hear about that Jesus thing. That's crazy. I'm doing everything I can just to manage my life right here. Maybe like many of them, they were looking for this king, for forgiveness, for grace, for the miraculous in, in a way that suited them. But because Jesus showed up so differently, they couldn't reconcile that. And it just wasn't what they were looking for. Maybe some of them were disappointed. Maybe some of them had seen or heard and watched Jesus move in different people's lives and perform miracles and stuff. And maybe they were so hungry to have that happen the same way in their life. Just the bitterness or the disappointment or the resentment just held them at a distance and they missed the miracle. It's interesting how easy it is to miss miracles, to miss the miraculous right in front of us. I was, there's a book called The Grave Robber by Mark Batterson, one of my favorite authors, a pastor who has pastored me through different seasons of life. But in his book, he, he tells a story about missing the miraculous. On a January morning in 2007, a world-class violinist played six of Johann Bach's most stirring concertos for the solo violin on a 300-year-old Stradivarius worth $3.5 million. Just two nights before, Joshua Bell had performed a sold-out concert, whose patrons gladly paid over $200 for nosebleed seats, but this time the performance was absolutely free. Bell ditched his tux and his coattails, and he donned a Washington Nationals baseball hat, and he played incognito outside of one of the busiest metro stations in the city. The experiment was originally conceived by the Washington Post columnist, and it was filmed by hidden camera. Of almost 1,100 people who passed by, only seven stopped to even listen. The 45-minute performance ended without applause or acknowledgement Joshua Bell earned $32.17 in tips, which included a $20 bill from one person who actually recognized him. On an average workday, nearly a million passengers ride the metro, and that station is one of the busiest stops. A stampede of tourists and government employees, they hustle and bustle through turnstiles, trying to get where they're going as quickly as possible. But those circumstances, they don't discredit or disqualify the questions raised by this social experiment. If we don't have a moment to stop and listen to one of the greatest musicians in the world playing some of the finest music ever written on one of the most beautiful instruments ever made, how many similarly sublime moments do we miss out on every day? Miracles are happening all around us all the time, but you won't see them if you don't know how to look for them. Miracles are happening all around you, every day, all the time. But we'll miss them if you don't look for them. Maybe it's the busyness of life. Maybe you're just trying to get through the turnstiles to get through the next stop or the next appointment. Maybe you're just trying to achieve the the next office, the next promotion, the next degree or diploma or whatever it might be. But are you in danger of missing the miracle that's right in front of you every single day? Because that's the invitation of Palm Sunday. So, how do we see the miracles in the mundane? How do we not miss these moments? It's actually very simple. Do what he says. Just do what he says. You see, this whole idea is set up by Jesus' mom. In John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus ever performs publicly, right? Some of you are familiar with it. Turning water into wine. They're at this big party in their hometown, and they run out of wine. And so, of course, that would have been socially one of the most embarrassing debacles of their day. And so Mary, Jesus' mom, is just devastated for the family. And she goes to her son, Jesus, and says, do something. you got to fix this. Help him out. And Jesus, of course, says, mom, it's not my time. It's a, I'm not ready. I and Mary, being a good mom, basically totally ignores Jesus. And there's some servants that are standing nearby and so she doesn't talk to Jesus anymore. She talks to them and she says, "Do what he says. Do whatever he tells you to do." And so I imagine the moment Jesus going, "Ah, okay. Mom." And he looks and he'd see these jars that six of them that hold about 20 to 30 gallons of water. And so he tells these servants, he goes, "Just go fill those things up with water." And you know what they did? They did what he said. And they went and filled him up with water and then pretty soon the host of the party comes and he starts dipping it out and he tastes it and it was the most unbelievable wine you could imagine. He's like, ha, this is spectacular. Why have you been hiding and saving the best? What is happening? Because they did what he said. Do what he says. And it's what we see lived out in this passage. There's a donkey, here's the deal. Guys, go over there, you're gonna see a donkey in the doorway. The owner asked us to do it and what? So they went. And they found the colt just as Jesus had said. Peter, John, here's what I need you to do. I want you to go into Jerusalem, look for the guy with the pitcher, follow him. So here's the deal they went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. You want to experience the miraculous? Do what he says. You can, we got to do what he says. He was constantly, every time he'd heal somebody, right, he's like, here's what I need you to do, spit and make some mud, go and wash it off in the pool. And we-. That guy could have gone, this is crazy, and just wiped it off and walked away. <gasps> he might have missed a miracle. Jesus with the layman at the pool, here's what I need you to do, get up and take your mat and walk. He had to do what Jesus said. You wanna walk in miracles? You wanna participate? You don't wanna miss them in your life or somebody else? You gotta do what Jesus says. And so all these little clues are sprinkled throughout, not just the Bible, but all of the Gospels. And so by the time you get to these moments, even though the disciples are rolling their eyes and going, I don't know, and is this even possible? After they'd experienced so many miracles, you know what they did? They did it. They did what he said. They still found a way, enough trust, enough belief, enough hope, enough possibility to try because they did what he said. They probably would've even remembered Jesus's own words. In John 10, 27, my sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You listen and you do. That's it. That's the formula, the recipe for miracles. You gotta do what he says. You gotta walk it out. And here's what's beautiful. You just have to put yourself then in position to hear him and then do whatever he says. And you'll get a chance to see miracles. You'll get a chance to be miracle. And here's what I love, you're already doing it. You're here, you're in a place, you're in a position, you're in a posture to just listen to Jesus. See, cause here's what I believe that's happening right now. Yeah, you're hearing me, but what you're really hearing is this massive collision of the need that you walked in with and the songs that we've been singing and what stirred in you because of the kids and the invitation to announcements and then what Palm Sunday's all about and all these things are just colliding in your soul and in your spirit and in your mind and guess who's really talking to you? It's not me, it's Jesus. And if you just do whatever he says, you're gonna see a miracle and you're gonna be a miracle. It's what he promises. It's what you're gonna find. But you gotta do it. You gotta walk it out. Put yourself in a position to listen. Just come back, come back to church. If that's your first step you're like, I don't know. I don't believe it. Okay, just do what he says. Show up again next week. See what happens. You ready to be a little more adventurous? Join me at Alpha. I watch I watched God through Alpha. Every single week, we'd get together. It was unbelievable what would happen. You know what we'd get together and do? Just talk about the miracles. we see God do this. You won't believe what happened to me. How many conversations started that way? Because we put ourselves in a position to hear God. When was the last time you read your Bible? You want a, you want a miracle? You want to be one? You want to see one? You want to participate in one? Just listen to what he wants to say to you and do it. It's going to happen. This isn't me. This is God saying this stuff. Serve, forgive, be generous, be kind. This isn't about earning your way back into God's presence, checking a bunch of boxes, do what's great. He's going, that's where you get to hear me. That's where you get to see and receive and participate in the miraculous. And that's why we would even want to. Imagine for a second what these people got to experience. Imagine the disciples with all the skepticism walking out and then seeing a donkey and going, oh my gosh. And they go and they take it and they're bringing it back, just laughing and going, this is crazy. But then not just them, imagine the owners of the donkey. As they watch Jesus walk down that Palm Sunday walk, they're going, that's my donkey. That's my donkey. I let it go. Imagine the people. Right, that we had said that were either healed by Jesus or their family members or their friends. Imagine the people at that first party going, I was there at the first one. I drank the wine. Oh, that was water. Like, I got that. This is why Palm Sunday is a big deal in their party. Imagine the people that just before this, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, and then what do they say? He says, go unwrap him. Are you kidding? Imagine being Lazarus walking down Palm Sunday and going, I was dead last week but imagine being the people that unwrapped him. Could you imagine that party? Could you imagine that celebration as they're walking together? Because why? They did what he said. You want miracles. You gotta do what he says. You've gotta listen and do it. Walk in it. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, this is great, Kyle. This is 2,000 years ago. Does this really work today? Oh, baby, just last week, we got away, our team. Listen, I'll give you just three snapshots. We got away as a team, and we said, we want to go hear God together. We got to get out of the context. My brother-in-law has a a conference room in Huntington Beach, right right down by Main Street. So we're there, and before we get started, we're like, let's go get some coffee and hang out. So we go to the coffee shop that's that's closest and convenient. And all of a sudden, we're there, and I see Kylie, who's our our children's person downstairs, right, taking care of your kids. Kylie's having this conversation for like 20 minutes with this worker at one of the stores. And I'm like, what's happening? So we get back in the room. Kylie's like, you'll never believe what happened. Like, what happened? She goes, well, just a week ago. She goes, I was down here in Huntington with some friends. We're like, let's just go pray over people, see what happens. And she goes, I'm I'm in the store, and God says, you need to buy a Hydro Flask for Johnny And she's like, ah, that's crazy. There's a donkey in the doorway. And she's like, I don't think. So she kind of fights it off. And then she's like, I don't know. So she takes a risk, goes to one of the employees. She goes, is there a guy named Johnny who works here? She's like, yeah, but he's not here right now. Great. I need to buy him a hydro flask. And they're like, what? There's a man carrying a pitcher. So she's like, I just need to do it. She goes, can you just, here. Buys it for him, leaves it for him. Just says, make sure he gets it. The guy she's talking to, just a few days later, Johnny, we get there, we're getting our coffee. She's like, is Johnny here? She's like, yeah. And he comes out. He's like, you're the one. Like, and he goes, you have no idea. He goes, my, somebody had just stolen his, like we and it was like a big deal to Johnny. And it's like, ah, somebody had stolen it. So everybody knew that he needed it. Except there's a donkey in the doorway. That's just the same morning. I see Kevin, who was just up here with Lauren. Kevin, he's talking to some guy for a long time. He's like, guys, you won't believe this. After Kylie shares her story. He's like, I'm talking to that guy. I I knew him three or four years ago. We worked part-time jobs together. Developed a great relationship with him. Haven't seen him in three or four years. And he just started unpacking his life and what God had done and what had happened. And I can't believe that you're here today. And how crazy is it that we would run in together? There's a donkey in the doorway. That was just one morning. There's stories that unfold in here every single day, every single week. We got to sit down, have lunch with some people that all, we start talking baseball and sports because if you get around me much, we're talking sports. Like that's part of, part of the deal. And so we're talking sports and baseball, and she's oh, like the greatest coach that my youngest son ever had. She's like, that's my cousin. There's a donkey in the doorway. How would you know? Last week I'm talking, I hear this story about a lady who comes to church and she hasn't been to church in years because of COVID and because of having babies and just because of life. And then there's all kinds of pain in her life. And so she just finally makes it. It's the first Sunday she's been in forever. And she sits in the back by herself. But then somebody walks in who actually knows her. So she helps her get her kids dropped off and she sits with her. And this person actually has her mother in law with her who never comes to church here because she lives in Northern California, but she couldn't fly home. So they're all sitting together in the back row and come to find out they're unpacking their pain and what God's doing. he said, oh, I had twins too. I know what's happening. Would you like my number? And maybe I can encourage you. A, There's a doggie That's in the back row. You have no idea what's in this room. But if you listen and you do what he says and you take some risks, you're going to experience the miraculous. And that is the promise of Palm Sunday. Don't miss The Miraculous. Don't miss The Miraculous. Because it's not just about Easter next week. It's about today. And what God has for you right now. So if you would, just close your eyes for a moment. Do you need... A miracle? Is there a place in your life you feel overwhelmed? Need God to show up? Today, He's here. So, God, thank you for speaking to every single one of us. Thank you for knowing even before we did about why we're here today and the invitation that you were going to give us to walk in the miraculous with you. And so I pray as you continue to speak to every single one of us that you would help us really listen. Listen to the invitation. Listen to the wonder. Listen to the awe. And you would help us be humble and courageous enough to do what you're asking us to do. For some of us, that might mean letting go of some things. Letting go of some bitterness, letting go of some resentment, letting go of some anger letting go of some addictions or behaviors that have kept us in prison and prevented us from seeing and experiencing the fullness of the miracle of you. Maybe for others, it's taking hold of something, trusting, believing. But God, for all of us, would you continue to speak And help us not to miss the miraculous that you want to do in us and through us.